Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. Okay, so you told me what we're talking about today, and I, I've been thinking and thinking and thinking about puns and joke stories, and I, I've, I've come up with a couple of them, but honestly, they're just too convoluted to, to work. <sighs> See what you did there. Was that yeah. a con- convolutional neural network joke? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a little weak, but it's the best I can do today. So, you know, that's what you get. Was that uh, kind of like the result of a max pooling operation on all of your weak sauce puns? I did weak sauce puns? Oh, man. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I don't know. Is max pool a person? Wait, okay, we'll get to this in a second. You are listening to Linear Digressions. Well, max pooling is a layer in convolutional neural net, but I'm probably getting ahead of myself a little bit, aren't I? Okay, because it sounds like the name of a person. Max Pooling? Hi, my name is Max Pooling, yeah. Like Max Power? That's a person? No, but it's a joke on The Simpsons where Homer, he's on the spot, has to make up a fake name for some reason. (laughs) And he looks at some kind of, it's like a power tool or something. (laughs) He's like, Max Power? I forget what. Yeah. Yeah. This would be, I guess you, you kind of generally want to avoid things pooling, huh? Oh, in the sense of just creating puddles all over the place. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't think of a of a use of that. Well, uh, I, I mean, like maybe those those kids inflatable uh, pools, like, but that would be like you get max pool, but not max pool. Uh, maybe max pooling. Okay. Well, anyway, um, what do we? So, what is this episode actually about? It's not about. <laughs> it's not about exploring really bad puns and. It yeah. is not. It is about <laughs> convolutional neural nets, which is a particular type of neural network architecture for image recognition and classification, that kind of thing. Do you know why it's called convolutional neural net? Because like convolutional means uh, complex, difficult to to like follow. I do actually. Did they would you like it? to know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to know. I mean, that's why I asked the question because it seems kind of strange to be like. Uh, there is technique A, technique B, and difficult technique. Well, like, so it's almost yeah. like it's keeping you out. It's kind of interesting. Well, okay, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Can you give me give me a couple minutes of preamble, and then we'll get to the convolutional part? Okay. Yes, this sounds good. Okay. So this is a neural net architecture that is particularly good, like we said, for image recognition and classification. And we've talked about neural nets a lot in other episodes, so I won't go a ton into the details here. If you've never heard of neural nets before, just the quickest introduction I can think of. Uh, So the idea of a neural network is it's an algorithm architecture where you have these things called, well, they're sometimes called neurons, actually. And they take a number of inputs, uh, which come originally in the case of, let's say, image recognition. They're the pixels in the image. Those pixels go into basically a mathematical function in each one of the neurons. And that mathematical function takes all of the inputs, multiplies them by a bunch of different weights, adds them together, and puts them through some kind of activation function. And based on if all of the inputs times all of the weights sums up to larger than some number, then the neuron has a one as an output. And if it doesn't go above that number, then it has a zero as an output. I am grossly oversimplifying. Right. And, and so That's you fine. have, <laughs> yeah. So you have these layers then of many, uh, 
neurons in each of the layers and each layer feeds uh, the outputs from each layer, the inputs into the next one. And then after one or two or three or four or N of these, at the end, you have a prediction about, in this case, what kind of object was in the picture. And so convolutional neural nets are a particular architecture of neural networks that are best for image recognition. And uh, they have special types of layers in them. That's what uh, the presence of certain types of, con- they're called convolutional layers in a neural net, is one of the signatures of the fact that it's a convolutional neural net. Okay, so you've got all these layers that feed into each other, and if some of those layers are convolutional layers, then you've got a convolutional neural net. What is a convolutional layer? Yeah, a convolutional layer, One of the, the reason that you have all these layers of neurons is because what it effectively allows a neural net to do in this context is it learns more and more complex features. And what a convolutional layer does is kind of interesting. A picture is going to be, depending on how you look at it, either a 2D or a 3D object. It's a 2D object if you think of it as just a bunch of pixels that are arranged in a 2D grid. It's a 3D object if you want to think of each of those pixels as having not just a 1-0 values that it can take, but it can actually have red, green, and blue, and then a mixture of those three colors if it's a color image. So if you wanted to have all of the information represented into a picture, you could do it in this three-dimensional cube of information, if that makes sense. So imagine you got your picture, and I think the best way to explain a convolutional layer is imagine that your picture is a bunch of bricks and they're assembled into a wall. So I know that bricks are rectangular and pixels are usually square, so you're going to have to stretch the metaphor a little bit. But let's imagine there's this this big wall and it's made up of bricks and each one of the bricks can be a different color. And so that's how you're painting your picture, right? Maybe we could call them brixels. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. Okay. You're warming up. Okay, so, so you got your you got your brixels. <laughs> yes. And they're making your they're making your picture. Now imagine that you have a piece of poster board. And so you can you have this piece of poster board and you can slide it, you know, you're kind of on a a crane, let's say, that's or a forklift that's up against the wall and you can slide this piece of poster board over the wall. And so at any given point this piece of poster board is over a bunch of brixels and it can like kind of look at what is going on under its under its shadow okay this is like a sentient poster board yeah now invert the metaphor slightly so now instead of it being a piece of poster board that's blocking out a part of the picture instead imagine that by default the whole picture is blocked out and instead you're kind of sliding around a window and Mm, so as this window is sliding over the wall it's scanning all of your brixels and it's doing something with them right i'm basically building up a metaphor for what a convolutional layer is so you're sending the pixels into your neural net And then there's what's called a filter or a kernel, and that's your piece of poster board. So usually it's something like three pixels by three pixels or five pixels by five pixels or something like that. Yeah, it's not particularly big. And it's this cutout that's going to be sliding around, and it's going to be looking at all of the different little sub-regions of the picture and trying to figure out what's going on in there. Is this an edge? Is Mm. is Is there some kind of like curve here? If there's an edge, is it horizontal, is it vertical, so on. 
And I see because if you're if you're a window, if you're just looking at a single pixel at a time, you can't really you can't really say anything about its relationship to the pixels around it. And that's ultimately what's in the image. So if you're trying to recognize what's in the image, you need to look at multiple pixels at once. Not necessarily a huge amount of them, but like a 3 by 3 or a 5 by 5 grid, like the window that we're sliding around. This makes some sense. Exactly. That then you can recognize that there's certain features that are in that window, and then that's going to be what's activating uh, the neuron in that uh, in that layer. And so the other thing that I should add is it's not just as simple as there's a sliding window that's going around. There's a bunch of different sliding windows and each of them has a different pattern to them in terms of this is the convolutional part. So a convolution besides just implying that something is complicated uh, is a mathematical procedure as well. So if you had, this was something that we used to do in physics a lot, for example, is sometimes when we were studying, when I was doing particle physics stuff, uh, we used to say things like, well, imagine that there's a particle that's going through your detector. We know that the particle is going to be drawn from a particular energy distribution. So if you were to take a billion of these particles, it would create some you know, energy distribution if you were to histogram them all, right? So those are the raw particles themselves. But we know that as they travel through the detector, they go, undergo these weird uh, you know, physical interactions with all the atoms in the detector. And so when you are measuring it, you're actually measuring kind of those second order uh, interactions that it has with the matter of the detector. Uh, that might be creating things like sprays of electrons inside of a scintillator uh, or photons inside of a scintillator. And then that gets picked up by the electrical circuitry, which has its own uh, ways that it changes the signal. And so the point is that you start with this raw particle energy spectrum, but then it's being morphed somewhat as it goes through the measurement apparatus. Mm-hmm. And each one of those morphing steps has its own particular things that it's going to do to that original energy distribution. And so those are what convolutions are in, in that particular context, is you have these different uh, these different processes that are getting multiplied together and kind of like twisting and stretching and smearing each other out. So it's like a it's like a transformation. So like uh, in graphics, you would call something like this a transformation, where let's say one of your steps, you take a thing and you slide it to the left, and then the next step you shrink it by a little, and then the next step you rotate it, and then the next step you you move it a little bit to the right, um, and you could take all of those transformations and smoosh them all together, multiply them together, and you end up with the the final, the full transformation of things that happens. Yeah, yeah. And so in the context of a convolutional neural net, what that Mm -hmm. means is each one of those filters that you're sliding around is going to have, you put your filter down on top of the pixels. And so the filter itself is going to be a five by five grid. And then it's sitting on top of another five by five grid that has a bunch of numbers in it. And the filter has a bunch of numbers in it. So you can do sort of the element wise multiplication of the filter and the image that's underneath it. So wait, so you've got these multiple windows. These these windows are separate from each other. They're not interacting. Yeah, so a, a reasonable way to think of them is that each one of them is kind of describing a feature that you could have represented in those pixels that it's sitting on top of. So each one of them is sort of like a feature detector. Oh, like wow, saying, so they're doing different things. Yeah, yeah. So at 
uh, the lower levels of the neural net, what they are, we sort of talked about this as edge detectors uh, of different orientations. Sometimes you'll yeah. have, you know, dark, light, dark, slightly more complex patterns. And then as you slide them around, you figure out where the edges are in your picture. And then that gets passed along to higher levels. And, and then they'll start to assemble uh, more aggregated features. So it might be that a bunch of edges in a certain orientation relative to each other uh, create a hand or it creates a, uh, a circle or it creates a checkerboard pattern or whatever, all these different types of sub images that together then when you feed them into successively higher layers are becoming more and more descriptive of complex features that you might have in the picture. And then once you get to the end, if you have something like, well, there's two eyes and nose and a mouth, uh, then those are going to be the raw inputs into a final layer where it says like, oh yeah, that looks like a face. And then it's classified the image. Got it. So I guess a couple other things that I'll just add here is the thing that the thing that I think is kind of funny about hmm. convolutional neural nets is they feel like, at least to me, they feel like kind of this grab bag of tricks that it's not exactly clear why these things should work, but they do. It's not that they're bad ideas, but that's just like, huh, okay, sure. So, Wait, so it, yeah. it, actually, maybe I'll ask you a question there. Um, it makes some sense that they would work to me and i granted i don't work in data science or anything like that but like the the way that we kind of went through that it makes sense that having these different filters or windows or whatever you want to call them that each kind of do different things and when you stack them together then you get more complex functionality like that makes sense i guess my question is for you is it strange that it works or is it strange that it works so well probably the th- it's strange that it works so well. And I haven't gotten to some of the weirder parts of this yet. Uh, <laughs> it gets it, weirder? Well, it, a little bit, a little bit. Okay. So you've got your convolutional layer with your little filter that's sliding around. By the way, the fact that there's a filter sliding around introduces all kinds of other parameters into, or hyperparameters into the neural net about how that process works. So there's a thing called the stride length, which is when you're picking up your poster board and moving it around, are you moving it by one pixel at a time? Is it by two pixels at a time? Maybe it's by three pixels at a time. Stuff like that matters. Uh, sometimes there's what they call zero padding, where you have your your poster board and then it's in kind of a frame that surrounds it with zeros. And for some reason that makes a difference. I don't know. So hmm. these are some of the things that, again, I don't think were super obvious. Um, and then usually you have a layer like a rectified linear unit, which is sort of an activation function that introduces some nonlinearity. If you don't know what any of those things are, don't worry about it too much. But then we get, <laughs> then we get to the max pooling layer. And Oh, yeah, that's right. That's where we were going. Yeah. The max power layer. Uh, yes. And so I, I made this comment earlier about how convolutional neural nets are feel a little bit like this weird grab bag. Um, part of the reason that I say that is I was, I'm probably subconsciously being influenced by a researcher named Jeff Hinton, who is one of the pioneers of neural net architecture and has had an instrumental role in inventing convolutional neural nets. So he's, he's throwing himself under the bus in some ways. And he said that, you know, we'll get to We'll get into this a little bit more in a future episode, but he's made some 
some comments sometimes that uh, it's really a shame that max pooling works so well because there's no reason why it should work so well. And it's in some ways uh, detrimental to the field that it does. So what is max pooling? Max pooling is the thing that you do usually after the convolutional layer. And the idea of max pooling is that it is a layer. So you're, you're sliding your, your, uh, your little sliding window around. Each time you put it on a new block of pixels, it's going to multiply all those pixels by a bunch of numbers. It's going to add that all up, and that's going to be the output of that particular operation. And so as you're sliding it around, you're creating all of these output values for the different places on the, uh, on the image where your filter is sitting. And so max pooling then takes that big grid of numbers and it chops it into blocks. So it might chop it into, let's say two by two blocks. And for each of those blocks, it's gonna look at those four outputs and it's gonna say, which one is the maximum of these four? And that's gonna be the the number that we send into the next layer. So max pooling is when we take the maximum of those four blocks or it can be four blocks or nine blocks or like whatever. You can fiddle around with sort of how big the pool is there because the idea is that you take a bunch of pixels to get, you pool them together um, and then you select just one from that pool by some kind of selection criteria. So the maximum maybe. And then instead of passing all four numbers onto the next round, you take that one number and that's the only thing that, that moves on. So that feels really <laughs> strange. I it's mean, it, a little weird, right? Is that, I mean, that, that kind of feels like a dimensionality reduction of some sort. Well, but it totally a really is. Simple one, like a yeah. really simplistic one. Yeah, it totally is. So that's part of the reason that you do it, actually, is to reduce the number of parameters that the, that the algorithm has to learn uh, yeah, and to because, keep it computationally tractable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess like the entire like let, let's say that you're doing image recognition. And you're saying is this a, is this a bunny or is this not a bunny? And you're feeding in these huge images that are like let's say 500 pixels by 500 pixels. That's that's a heck of a lot of data points. Or, or um, and ultimately the the goal is to get it all the way down through these layers to just a zero or a one, a single number. Yep. The other thing that's interesting about max pooling is that, and this is this is a thing that's kind of nice about it, uh, it protects you a little bit from small changes in the image. Because imagine that your image, it gets a little bit distorted somehow, uh, mm. it gets a little bit stretched, it gets a little bit shifted, then the max pooling means that uh, even if some of those individual outputs change as a result of the distortion, there's a good chance that the max will still be the max even after the distortion or, you know, whatever other type of um, selection criteria you have. And so what that means is it also protects you from there being big changes in the output or, or the classification of the image as a result of small changes in the input. So that's a little bit of intuition besides just the practical argument, a little bit of intuition about why there's something that you want to have in there. Um, it's a layer that protects you from perturbations changing around your, uh, your, uh, the conclusions of your algorithm too much. But it still feels weird that this, this works. I mean, like, I assume it works, right? Because 
otherwise it wouldn't be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, so, it works but, pretty well, yeah. Yeah, it, is it like you have a model and it's doing okay and then you just add this this max pooling thing into it and then it does better? Like is it is it that simple sometimes? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm I don't have a ton of experience monkeying around with neural net architecture and right. seeing how things change. But this is a an interesting uh, kind of cliffhanger to leave this episode on because in future episodes there's another neural net architecture that's uh, convolutional neural nets have been around for a while and they're state of the art for image recognition all this kind of stuff Jeff Hinton's group has come up with a new neural net architecture called capsule networks that are starting to play around with sort of the fundamentals of some of these assumptions they're doing things like getting rid of max pooling and all this kind of stuff um, and so that is something that we will talk about a little bit more in a, uh, a near future episode. But for now, yes, I will acknowledge that there's some imperfections here. And yeah, we'll talk about a totally different neural net architecture soon that tries to address some of them. Linear Digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at LinDigressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.